Welcome to a homegrown family podcast where we grow the produce and the kids. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode, episode number eight of a homegrown family podcast. For those of you guys, guys, gals, all individuals who are joining us here today who have may not listened to any episodes prior to this one, a homegrown family podcast is where we talk about basically anything I want to. Actually, not quite, but it's focused on homegrown, so being anything gardening, beekeeping, uh, mushroom hunting, topics that we have or will cover. We also talk about the family aspect of things, where my wife will be joining me on pretty frequently on this podcast or on this episodes, where we talk about our decision to homeschool our kids, or how we met, which is an episode prior to this one, I think, it's called Keep It Weird. Check it out. It's a pretty funny story. But um, we're going to talk about our family life a little bit and different things regarding homeschooling, you know, why we talk about maybe looking at Montessori education versus classical or different things like that. Um, we haven't really stepped foot into that realm ourselves, but that will be upcoming on this podcast. Previously, I've also talked a little bit about um, where my parents grew up, what kind of farms they grew up on. We'll delve a little bit more into my story and kind of where I end up at the different jobs and locations I've lived and um, how that's influenced my life and that where that brings me to today. Because at each one of these different locations I've been, I've been involved in this homegrown aspect of things, right? Whether it's beekeeping, like I said before, I learned how to do that in Alaska. I worked for a CSA also in Alaska. I worked as an agronomist over in Washington, you know, so I have all these different experiences that I can share with you guys. Um, it's kind of part of the story I'm going to share in part for you, but also for um, people I know, my family members. They can learn a little bit more about me, my children, and maybe grandchildren someday. Who knows? Who will all listen to this podcast. But so that's what this podcast is for. Um, if you want to or would like to leave a review or a rating, um, I'd appreciate any comments, feedback. Um, even if you think this podcast is pretty mediocre, like this guy needs to, you know, step up his game, find some humor in gardening or something because he's pretty dry. I'm not sure how a person can talk straight gardening and make it super entertaining for everybody because it's kind of just knowledge and information. But <laughs> that makes me think of a joke my grandma told me one time, Grandma Margaret on my dad's side, and she's not a very vulgar individual at all, you know, um, she doesn't cuss or swear or things like that. She's like, hey, I got a joke for you. I'm like, okay, what is it? She's like, what do you get when you cross an elephant with a rhino? And I was like, I don't know. What, Grandma? Like, this is going to be some weird, corny answer. And she goes, well, hell if I know. And I was like, Grandma. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, anyways, I'm not sure how that joke got in there, but... <laughs> So today, I'm going to be talking mostly about my garden um, here in town. Unfortunately, don't live in the country just yet, but we'll get there one day. So I have a raised garden bed, and I basically have an F-shaped garden bed where the long end of the F that's flat faces the south up against my fence. And so it's relatively shaded, probably like 50-50. Um, the upper part of the F is probably like 70% shade and 30% sun. And then you got the middle F that comes across the arm in the middle. That's like more like 80% sun. So I got a little bit of variability to work with when it comes to my garden here. But I had made that with, um, I'll post some pictures of it here, I suppose, on Instagram. You guys can check it out. But 
I used um, some of my dad's old tin from a shed back at his place. And I used that tin, galvanized steel, and some uh, pressure-treated cedar timber, I think it was, or cedar tone, I guess they call it. And I made this garden bed, and, and uh, it's probably three and a half to four feet tall. And so it should keep out any rabbits or anything like that. Right, so that's kind of just the basics of my garden here. And so just kind of want to go through different things that I planted this year and some of my failures and positives and successes I've had so far. Um, might as well start with the failures, right? Get those out of the way so I can start feeling good about myself. So I started to uh, uh, plant some things that I planted right away that didn't really work out very well were red Chinese meat radishes. Um, it seemed like it got way too hot, way too fast, and I didn't really get any girth on those radishes whatsoever. So I ended up pulling those out because one of the things I like to do in my garden is I like to like tier things or level things in different um, stages, I guess. So I have my radishes kind of close nearby my carrots because I figured by the time I harvest my radishes, I'll create a bunch more sun for my carrots and then my carrots will take off, you know, um, and sometimes this philosophy works, sometimes it doesn't. So in this instance, my radishes should have been, been able to pick those and harvest those, but then um, they started bolting and so they started not being any good and we're covering up my carrots. And so and I have two rows of carrots, one that wasn't covered up by radishes and one that was. And so I have two different stages now of carrots, one row that's going to be more mature um, and ready to harvest before the other, which is great when you're a family of two or three. So that's not the end of the world. Um, I planted peas. Um, my first row of peas got chopped down by the squirrels. Um, not too happy about that. So I planted them again. And turns out, um, one day I got home from work. I opened up my garage door and I thought I saw something. I peered over to my garden beds and I had a rabbit that was jumping off the top of my garden bed onto the grass. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I just realized here this past couple days that this rabbit can jump up four feet tall and nibble off all my peas. So my peas haven't really been doing very good at all either. And I probably have like one or two pea plants that may produce some pods. Actually, that's kind of funny talking about how the rabbit got up there. I'm kind of irritated about that. But at the same time, so in my, in my yard here in town, the last three or four years now, we've had baby rabbits in our yard because the mom either digs a hole in my yard, which I don't like, or they, you know, dig a hole underneath the deck, which is a little bit better. You know, it kind of keeps the yard healthy anyways. And today, actually, we had found one of the baby bunnies. And my daughter was so ecstatic about this baby bunny. Um, you know, I hold it, I hold it, you know, um, Iwata, get eat grass. She talks so much now and she's not even two yet, but, um, so that rabbit did shine some brightness upon my life, right? In my, my daughter's life, but, uh, it's bittersweet because I really don't like that thing getting up there and nibbling on my lettuce. So that's great. Same thing kind of happened to my jade bush beans. My first planting didn't come up very well. I think the squirrels got them. I replanted, and now those are looking good, and we're starting to see some bloom on those, so that's great. So most of those things I just mentioned were started by seed. And um, I don't always buy things or grow things by seed. I'll cheat, if you want to call it that, and buy things from the store. So some of the things I bought from the store were basil, oregano, and rosemary. I tried starting these, and... It just didn't pan out. I don't have a very great plant place to start plants. And we talked about this in a previous episode. I think it was called Seeds and Such. 
my brother, we talked about how he does most of the seed starts, and I didn't ask him to start any herbs this year. So um, I had ended up buying those. The other day, we harvested two cups of basil and made a pesto pasta with bacon in it, and it was great. Um, we should be able to do that several more times here this season. I guess some of the positives, the carrots are doing really well. They're called a Uzbek golden carrot, U-Z-B-E-K. I've never grown those before, so it'll be interesting to see how those pan out. I think I also planted some Nebula Blacks carrots. Um, the germination on those weren't quite as well, but it'll be interesting to see the difference. One of the things I also started in my garage with very little sunlight was a green and red romaine lettuce. Um, I did transplant those into the garden bed about the same time I also seeded in some other rows of lettuce, and they're about the same size right now. So the ones that I sowed directly into my garden bed grew faster than what my plugs of lettuce that I started recovered from transplanting. They have that, and then, um, so I planted, yeah, the red and green romaine lettuce. My first time planting romaine lettuce, so it's kind of fun to see how that turns out. And then my wife, um, we were shopping for those herbs and mentioned, hey, look, there's a buttercrunch lettuce. It's one of my favorites. So I planted more lettuce. The buttercrunch lettuce are not, not really like your icebergs that are super dense and have a really defined head. They are more kind of leafy in texture, but yet kind of develop a little bit of a head, but kind of softer head. So they're really soft lettuce, very tasty. But with all that lettuce in this household, now begins the famine, the lettuce famine. And I guess it's not really a famine, but it feels like it because I eat less of everything else because I have so much lettuce to eat. I started some kale from seed. Kale is, I swear, super easy to grow up here. It definitely likes the cooler temperatures. You can start it early, and it just grows forever. And so that's another example of where I had um, layered my garden. And so I planted this kale. You know, I put I put a bunch of seeds in there because it's older seed. And I probably had them coming up six inches apart. And, well, six inches apart for kale is way too close. You probably want close for like two feet apart um, by the time you get mature plants. But you can harvest the bottom leaves and work your way up. And eventually you'll have you know, a two or three foot tall plant. And I was going to start off with growing lettuce next to my kale because I'll harvest my first round of lettuce there as my kale grows. And then I could technically, after I remove the bottom leaves and harvest part of my kale, I could plant another set of lettuce later on this summer. So it's kind of a plan there. Um, and then I kind of thin out my kale as I go. So instead of harvesting the bottom leaves, I'll har- harvest an entire plant. Kale, I usually just like to mix in with my salads a little bit. Give it a little bit different type of greenery. I think we're going to have more kale than what we can eat. So we're going to start making like a, what is it, like a kale egg bake maybe and things like that. Or um, I heard you can just kind of fry it up with your your scrambled eggs a little bit and be fine there too or whatever. But if you know of any other ways to eat kale, shoot me an email. I'm kind of curious to see. I don't like it in smoothies, you guys. Some people say, oh, just mix it with some fruit and put it in a smoothie. No, no, it's, it's nasty. Don't do it. You got to have like cup of sugar in there and to make it taste good. So yeah, that's another example of planting in layers. I also had purchased a German Queen heirloom tomato. Um, I wasn't planning on planting any tomatoes this year, but I had a little bit of extra space and uh, it seemed like it was a, I don't know, heirloom variety. And I was kind of curious to see if it grow very well. And uh, it's finally starting to put on some blooms. That makes me a little nervous because I'm not sure if we'll get very good. I mean, these are supposed to be decently like fist sized tomatoes. Um, but, uh, 
you know what? I actually did plan on planting one tomato. I was going to try that mortgage lifter again, which we also talked about that cultivar in a different episode and how we had a um, who can grow the biggest tomato challenge. I think that's also in the seeds and such episode. But um, So I tried growing that, but within two weeks, I'm pretty sure a squirrel nibbled it off or it damped off. It died. It was no longer there. Um, and so I replaced that with the German queen. So we'll see how that goes. One of the things my wife requested was that we plant some flowers for my daughter to enjoy seeing, you know, different colors and things in the garden. So I have a little more flowers in the garden this year than I normally do. Just some of your annual, um, oh, I can't remember what they're all on there. I'm not a flower guy, but, um, I did plant some, nath, I can't even say this. I get it wrong every time. It's called Nasturtium. N-A-S-T-U-R-T-I-U-M. And it's an edible, not an edible flower, but the bloom, the flower itself is edible, not the greenery. And we toss that into our salads once in a while. So those just started blooming, which is really awesome. And my wife didn't know that you could eat these things. And so I brought her over to the garden. I was like, hey, eat one of these. And she was really reluctant, like really, really reluctant. I was like, what are you doing? You're just nibbling on it like a you know rabbit. Just shove it in and eat it. But, um... I asked her what it tasted like, and I think she said it kind of tasted a little bit radishy, a little bit tart. But yeah, it gives it like a different little bite in your salad every once in a while. So if you haven't tried that, it is kind of a unique thing that you can do. They do take up a fair amount of space. They're kind of fun. So that's going well. Um, and my brother David did seed a lot of cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and celery for me. And so Brussels sprouts we tried last year. Didn't get them to mature in time to really get a good harvest. Um, they're a really long season a long season crop and which up here in the northern climate can be a little tough to make harvestable at times unless you get a really good early start. One of the things I haven't grown in the past is celery and that seems to be taken off. My plants are almost, I don't know, 8 to 12 inches tall and they're starting to get some uh, thickness to their to their stalks and so that's kind of cool to see. Celery does demand a lot of water so it's definitely a good thing to Make sure you water them frequently and not have them super exposed to a lot of sun where they can dry out and get all floppy and flimsy. It's, it doesn't hurt them, but it's, it's the, thing, the thing they have to recover from. So and another thing I planted here, this year I did do a lot of peppers. I had my brother start a lot of different peppers for me. So far, the one that seems to be doing the best for me is the golden hoary pepper. And I kind of had that located on the beginning of the middle finger of my F. <laughs> um... And they have like three inch fruits already, so three inch, three inch peppers. And so I'm really, look, really looking forward to those. Um, I think I have like four or five different cultivars. I think another one is, uh, King of the North pepper. Um, it's supposed to be pretty hardy and, and does really well in the northern climates, so. And then, uh, let's see what else. I got cucumbers and zucchini. Um, I accidentally planted those in the wrong spot. I didn't label my, my starts very well, and I planted them in the wrong spots. So I have a spot where I want an abiding cucumber, but I have a, zucchini there instead so i might pull that one out i think i think i tra- i started another set of zucchini in a pot instead so that one may i might let it let it produce one zucchini and then i might end up pulling it out because it's right next to all my cauliflower and brussels sprouts and i need them to have enough space to be able to grow uh, another thing this year that's new that i haven't done in the past or haven't succeeded at and i guess that's still to be determined so i had planted some garlic I couldn't tell you what kind because I wasn't very optimistic that it would grow last fall. And it actually came up and it's looking really good. It's, you know, 12 to, I don't know, 15 inches tall. And that looks amazing. I have like four plants 
And um, before I knew that those were coming up, I had some store garlic bulbs um, that were starting to sprout. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to toss these in the corner of my garden and see what happens. And those are growing also. So that's awesome. Um, they're not growing quite as well as the other four. But looking forward to that. And actually, my brother David had accidentally let some of his garlic go to seed last year. And now he has like, I don't know, 200 garlic plants. He had to like thin them out so that way they had some space to grow. And the other day he's like, hey, check out this picture of all my garlic scapes. And I was like, what? Garlic what? He's like, yeah, my garlic scapes. Like, what the heck is that? Because I have no idea, you know? And he's like, well, it's like when the the last, you're pushing out the bulb, basically. I'm starting to push out a bulb or a flower stalk. And so it's bolting, right? Basically, essentially. And there's this little, it's kind of a weird description, of it, but this is what made me think about it. Um, and like an earthworm, you know, one of those night crawlers, they'll have, they have the little bands of, of uh, white on the worm. Well, the stalk comes out of the garlic and it has this little band on there and it'll start doing a little twirl or a loop-de-loop. It can have up to like two loops before it straightens out to create your flower head. And so those things can be basically harvested like kind of like green onions. You, you go fall that stem down until you get to the next leaf below it and you can cut it off and you can saute it up and eat it. So I harvested those for the first time today and I'm really looking forward to trying those. I guess my brother fried his up with some asparagus or something. So that was... Uh, going to be a new experience for me. I'm looking forward to that. The one store-bought ones didn't have any escapes yet, so they're a little bit farther behind or are not doing as well or something. But um, So that'll be kind of fun. Um, I'm starting to get some different questions from people, friends that I know, like, hey, I got this going on in my garden. And I, I mean, I just had my cousin here the other day talk or Facebook message me about his peppers and his jalapenos that he's growing. And um, he sent me a picture and the upper half was green, the bottom half was brown, you know, kind of starting to rot, basically. And I've had some familiarity with this when it comes to tomatoes and blossom end rot. And so I'm pretty sure that's what was going on with this jalapeno peppers. Granted, you know, I have to Google this to, just to make sure and verify, but I have a starting point of knowledge to, to go off of. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And so we started chit-chatting about what we can do to prevent this or how do you um, go about fixing the issue or preventing it to begin with, right? And so blossom end rot is basically a lack of calcium in the plant, whether it's a lack of calcium in the soil initially or it's a lack of uptake of calcium. And so different stressors like heat and drought and overwatering and things like that can cause a reduced uptake in calcium. And there can be like so many peppers on this plant that they're all demanding calcium all at once because they're growing so well that a select handful of the peppers aren't going to get enough calcium and will therefore have its blossom end rot. So there's that There's that piece of it, but ultimately it comes down to calcium. So to prevent it, you know, you want to have calcium-rich soil, and you can add lime into your, your soil bed every once in a while. You can take chicken eggshells and kind of break those up and put them up, you know, circulate them into your garden bed. I think I read one time that, that eggshells, it really takes like two to three years of breaking down before that calcium really becomes available. But whereas with um, a lime you get that availability a lot sooner. One of the things that we researched, or I researched when I was looking into this for my cousin, was that you can add Epsom salts to your soil. You can sprinkle a little bit down there and then kind of water it in or mix a ratio of, was it one cup of Epsom salts to one gallon of water and just water your plants normally as you would, but only using that water. So there is some calcium in Epsom salts. And so 
creating it in a liquid form, dissolving that salt in that water will allow it to uptake quickly into the plant and hopefully would mediate any issues that you have on the future peppers that would be growing. You know, if, if you have peppers currently on your plant that have lots of end rot, adding calcium is not going to fix that pepper specifically. It'll prevent perhaps new peppers from coming and then developing that blossom end rod. One thing you can do is thin your plant, right? As soon as you start seeing a black spot or a spot that's starting to get a little bit nasty in the bottom of a pepper, chop it off, eat the pepper, get rid of the brown, and that'll leave more calcium for the following peppers or other peppers on that plant without trying to push more calcium because it's that pepper's deficient. And so it's saying, hey, feed me, feed me, feed me, but it's still not getting enough, you know, so take it off, eat it, and then that'll leave more calcium for the next pepper. Another thing I saw when I researched this was that taking the Epsom salts, dissolving it in water, and spraying it on as a foliar treatment onto the leaves, which I guess the idea is there, if it's in the leaves, it'll be more readily available to the blooms or to the peppers since it's closer. But I feel like the root uptake is going to be better for the overall plant health. So stay tuned on that one. My cousin and I are kind of running a little experiment on his peppers there and he's going to try some of these Epsom salts both methods so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but um yeah I guess uh, that's kind of my update for now on gardening things so yeah feel free to again leave a review leave a rating um, shoot me an email homegrownfam um, on Instagram but uh yeah hope you enjoyed the episode oh also I noticed on my last episode so you have this Budsprout app or website that you can use to distribute all my podcasts through directories, they call it. See, I'm definitely a beginner at this. So you have all these directories such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify and those types of things. And I get stats on all these things, but how many listeners you get to each episode and things like that. So that's kind of cool. And uh, I noticed that I gained another country on my last episode. So whoever joined in from Canada, thank you for joining. And... Uh, Hope you continued listening to all we have to say. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and uh, until next time. <laughs>